0: How are you guys doing? And welcome over here. If you guys are new, please do me a favor and subscribe. People have been asking for this video. I've actually broke it down. I've spent, I'm not even kidding. I've spent almost seven hours prepping for this one video. And it's its actually having to compile a whole bunch of numbers from 30 different countries, 30 different NATO countries. I've been having to compile numbers. Actually, I take that back, 29 Iceland. I pretty much just pushed them out of the way because they have no military whatsoever. So 29 NATO countries, versus Russia. A lot of people have been asking for this. They want to know the deets, all the good juiciness that's of it. The deets. I've never said that word in my entire life till right now. So (laughs) there you go. So out the gate, we got total population. I have graphs. I've actually built these. Yes. It took me about 45 minutes to learn how to do this because I had to teach myself manpower, total population. You have 952 million, thousand with NATO countries and you have 142 million. So you must you, you have roughly seven X the amount of people with NATO. That, that's, that's amount total population that is. Now that's kind of a big deal. Cause you guys can think about it when it comes to labor and actually having to get stuff actually made. When you have a higher population, you actually get stuff manufactured. You have workers to do it, stuff like that. That's one way to look at it. Now it comes to available manpower when it comes to actually men that you can use on the battlefield. 435 million. That is a, that's huge. That's a ton of people. So when you look at attrition rate in a war and a lot of casualties, that kind of number is a big deal. So 435 million is a ton compared to Russia's 69 million. Yes, 69 million people is a ton still. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a ton of people. That's more than a lot of the countries inside of NATO itself. And this is Russia's manpower. That's a lot. So when you think about attrition in a war, in a, in a massive war that World War Three could possibly be if they were to actually butt heads, you're looking at a reaching military age you're talking 18 years or older NATO 11 million every single year that is huge 11 million men reach that age every single year Russia 1.2 million so you have only, you have literally have 10x the amount of people in NATO countries reaching that age so when you're talking like war attrition over a long period like a long period of time like say it went on for 4 years you're talking you have a, a 44 million people NATO, we'll say 40 million people compared to four. That's that's huge. And during those times, we know they're not going to be making as many babies because a lot of the men are off doing their thing. But you get what I mean. When I talk about attrition rates, that's a huge thing to look at. Active personnel, 3.3 million on NATO side, 850,000 on the Russian side. And what we've seen so far in the Ukraine war with them, I don't believe they're nearly as trained as people have thought. They were ranked number two on in the world when it came to power rankings i guess you would say on military i don't believe that to be the case as of now i think a lot of people are kind of changing their views on i think china's probably moved up in the number two slot that's what i think reserve military 1.4 million on the nato side 250 thousand on the russian side total military military excuse me 5.4 million nato 1.3 million on the russian side so we're talking significant numbers here. A lot of people say that you're poking the bear with Russia. I think Russia realizes I mean even myself realizing going all the through these numbers, they would be poking a very large bear even if they pulled China in, in this thing, even if you pulled those numbers, this is still poking a massive bear you guys gotta let me know in the comments if you guys what you guys think if, if would these numbers actually deter Russia from wanting to do anything actually kind of catastrophic in a sense? So fighters and interceptors. We're just going to go with fighters. I'm not going to get into super details on every single one of these. I will actually talk about some of the airplanes and or weapons inside of this category, but I'm not going to talk about every single one because that would be honestly monotonous and it would be, it would be never ending. This video would never end. Well, it would end at some point, but I'm not going to do that. We'll talk about the key ones. Fighters, NATO, 3,527, Russia, 772, and the ones that we have seen currently inside the Ukrainian war are really not that modern. They're not really throwing all their weight. I don't think so. Like I said, they may have actually just put off this this shell image of actually being a super powerful country, super super powerful when it comes to military. I don't know if that's the case. But with that being said, I will tell you guys a little bit. Longer ranges favor the SU-57, while closer engagements actually favor the F-22. These are the two we're going to talk about. The Raptor has three weapon system bays, two of which can accommodate one Sidewinder infrared guided missile in the, sec- in the second belly bay, can actually accommodate six Slammer, that's what they go by, radar guided missiles with a range of up to 65 miles, oh my, that's 65 miles, that's a range, that's nuts. The center bay can also carry a JDAM, I've seen a ton of JDAMs go off in my life, like a ton. Uh, there's satellite guided munitions that I go up to, they have four of them, they can store up to 600 gallon fuel tanks as well. Uh, a J-DAM, I mean, you're talking like a 500-pounder. They can carry four of those. You're looking like 2,000 pounds of that. The F-22 has an M6182, six-barreled, 20-millimeter Gatling gun buried in the right wing, root with enough ammunition for just under five seconds of sustained fire. That's pretty nuts, and I'm pretty sure that's mainly to shoot at my, I, I mean, that's that's a lot of firing. Of a Five-second burst of a Gatling gun is that's quite a bit. So, what is known about the equivalent version of the Russian uh, fighter that is? They've actually struggled to develop this aircraft, particularly the key components such as the engine. The F-22 can also detect adversaries at long ranges and provide an invade enemy radar that can also set up an ambush before the enemy even knows it's in the area. So that's one of the big things a lot of people don't realize if they don't know, The Raptor can literally see you before you even see it or even know it's on radar. They literally know you're there. They can lock onto you and hit you before you even know it's in the sky. Like It's, it's actually insane and I've watched an entire video just on the nose of this aircraft. I mean, I, of course, they don't give you all the details on it, but in the lamest terms, It sees you, it knows you're there, and you're done. That's the way it works. So that's pretty much that. I'm going to stay out the gate. I'm going to go ahead and tally up the fact that the SU-57 versus the F-22, the American version, is going to win. And I know you guys could tell I'm I'm an American. I clearly have an American flag hanging behind me. I'm trying to be as open and and, and, and honest as I possibly can. But in this case, this is pretty obvious. If it would come down to it, America would control the skies. Next up, dedicated attack: one thousand forty-eight on the NATO side, and actually seven hundred thirty-nine on the Russian side. And I do have a comparison. I'm actually going to tell you guys, and I'm going to give the Russians actually a little bit of. Uh, they're going. To, I think they're going to take this one just a little bit. So they have an A10 Warthog. We all know what that is. SU25 is what they use. So the SU25 Close Air Support CAS. So, the SU 25, this is pretty neat. I'm, not, I'm going to give it to them. They actually built this thing to land on a runway that's underwater. And I never even thought about this. So, this was built to land on a runway that, say, it has like this much water on it. So, then if you're flying over, you don't realize there's a runway there. It just looks like water. But the aircraft knows there's water there. So, this thing was actually built to land on a runway that's been flooded. That's extremely smart. There's a lot of other reasons why I think the Russians actually take the kick on this one. The gun that's inside of the A10, it's it's not great. I mean, it's not it's not bad, of course. It's not bad. I've seen it do a ton of stuff in Afghanistan. It really is cool. Wah! It's really cool. I mean, it's really cool to see in person. So the A10 was actually built around a, a gun that's actually called a GAU-8. Okay, so the thing was built around it. It's actually kind of mediocre. It's not great. It has burst periods. It can only it can only burst for so long. You can't shoot for a long period of time. Uh, just the way that it's set up, it's kind of, it's kind of obsolete is I guess the way I would I'd put it on the, on the other hand, the SU-25 has, has a gun that has three times lighter, has 3000 RPM, which is plenty clearly and has no limit of burst lengths. The weaponry, excuse me, is actually equal. The A-10 can carry twice the payload than the SU-25 and that's, that's a significant advantage. Weapons payload, larger payload than A-10, clear advantage. We all know this. It's operation somewhat degraded, carrying fuel and, and necessary pods and so what and so forth, but it can carry heavy payload. It's also a bigger plane. So it's not as maneuverable, so it can be shot down a little bit easier, I guess you would say. Uh, missiles A ten has a clear advantage amounts here. But the S U twenty five has more options considering it also uses an anti shipped aircraft and often carries a a full payload of anti ship missiles, which is something I did not know. Bombs. Clear advantage A10. GPS guided bombs is, uh, is also has glide bombs. Su25 has only laser guided bombs. That's all they have. So you have GPS guided on the on the on the A10. But the thing is the A10 bigger, bulkier, not as maneuverable, and the Su25 is much faster, lighter. It's just different. But in the end. I don't know. The SU-25 has is, is better in defensive and occupational conflicts, and the A-10 is actually better for invasion. So if, if they were actually A-10 was being used in Russia right now, it would be much better. So a lot of people were talking about that 40-mile-long convoy they had. If they had an A-10, it would be doing a ton of damage. I've seen it personally. This thing on a convoy like that, when that gun goes off, it is no joke. It looks like fireworks just one-off, except they're really big. All right, moving on. Transport. We, NATO, that is, they kind of kick Russia in the teeth, 1,544 to 445, which is a big deal when it comes to logistics. We know that Russians actually struggle struggle quite a bit with logistical issues. I mean, look at Ukraine. They're struggling because of logistical problems. Transport planes, big deal. Another thing that Russia doesn't even have, and this is not really on the list, I guess I could put this under special mission, but trainers, we have 4,428, they have 522. That's a big deal. We literally can train like eight times the amount of pilots. I mean, that's that's a huge difference right there. Special mission is one I'll, I'll actually throw this on, I guess. So we have a 1,014 to their 132. Now, what they don't have, they don't have an AC-130U. They don't have anything like the AC-130, which is a big deal. The primary function of the AC-130 is close air support, interdiction, and force protection. I've used it, honest to God, probably a handful of times. And One of the coolest air shows I've ever seen in my entire life, or light shows, I guess you'd say, was an AC-130 during a clearing operation in Afghanistan at night. I have never, like it's giving me goosebumps to think about it right now. The amount of firepower coming out of the sky I saw at night there, like it is, it's scary. It really is. I mean, you have a 105 millimeter howitzer being shot from like 20,000 feet up. It literally takes the sky and turns it into day and then goes, it's the most crazy thing ever. They don't have one of those. They don't have any of those. And right now we have 17, which is kind of a big deal. Uh, they have a max speed of 300 miles an hour, nautical miles. They can actually fly 1,300 of them, living by crew and refueling and everything like that. Uh, they can, their ceiling is 25,000 feet. They have a 40 mic, mic, 105, and a 25 millimeter Gatling gun. I'm telling you guys right now, this thing is nuts. They don't have any of those. So I'm going to tell you right now, we kind of chalk it went up right there. And that's a big piece when we talk about artillery later. They don't have anything like this, and this is an artillery killer. So let let just keep that in mind. Tanker fleets, big deal. They have 20, NATO has 678. A lot of people ask, why does America have to be the world police? And you look at the numbers and it is astounding how much more militarized America is than the rest of NATO. I'm I'm talking like in certain categories, it's, it's, it's really, is kind of crazy. I could just pull up the air, air numbers. If you guys would like to know, for instance, total aircraft in NATO as a whole is 20,000. Okay. Out of all those 29 countries that are after America, America has 13,247 itself. 13,247. That's nuts. You know what I mean? It just in transport alone, there's 1,544 in NATO. America has 982 of those. It it's just, is just, it is, it is kind of crazy when I was laying these out. I mean, I know I've, I've seen it. Like when it comes to helicopters, NATO as a whole has 8,458. America has 5,500. I never even knew that. That's crazy. So I'm, I'm glad I'm sharing this with you guys. Oh yeah, go back to helicopters. I guess eight thousand four hundred fifty-eight compared to their fifteen hundred forty-three. I did have a helicopter. We'll talk about just a main. I mean, they have a they have one that's similar to our Blackhawk in a sense, but our Blackhawk is slightly different. Theirs is much larger. It's more of a transport helicopter. It's like a mix between a a Blackhawk and a Chinook, I guess you would say. It. I've seen them actually quite a bit carrying mail. Oddly enough, I have actually seen these, but I, I I'm not going to really compare those. But attack helicopters, we can compare. Now they both, I I don't really, I'm not going to say that America's is better because I don't, I don't think it is, but in 2021, um, we have 2,400, I think is what it is. 2,400 Apaches have been built so far. They have a helmet mounted display. I don't know if a lot of you guys know this, but they have a helmet mounted display inside of the Apache pilots can actually see information right in front of their eyes. There's also a system that connects with the automatic chain gun to the helmet. So the pilot can actually move his head so he doesn't have to steer with his hands. He literally can shoot while he's looking. Like, you know how crazy, think about the kind of technology it is. this guy's looking around, he can shoot where he's looking. Russians don't have that inside theirs. So I'm not saying that makes them better, but I'm just giving you guys some insight. Apaches can track up to 256 targets when 31 miles of range. Like, it's just the amount of technology that's inside of these things makes my head spin sometimes. A battalion of 18 Apaches can carry 288 Hellfire missiles, so it's capable of destroying 288 tanks. That's 18 Apaches have the ability to destroy 288 tanks. So keep that in mind when we talk about artillery pieces later on. Now I do believe Russia's beating us in the artillery piece, but the artillery doesn't really matter if you have stuff like AC-130s, bombers, and and Apaches that are able to take these things out like it's nothing. So always keep that in mind. The theirs is the KA52 alligator. And yes, it kind of does look like an alligator. Um it's a pretty good name, actually. It's estimated that there are 155 currently those inside of the Army. So with that being said, we have had 2,400 2, of, of ours built. Now, another thing people have got to realize is logistics when come and having these things built. America has been really good. NATO, that is, I guess you would say. They all use kind of the same stuff. So when they have to get stuff fixed, like helicopters, we've had 2,400 of these built. So we have a lot of parts. They have 155 of these currently. They're not going to have a lot of parts laying around. You know, if like something goes out, they have to wait on parts. I promise you, NATO is not really waiting on parts. It's probably one thing we got to keep in mind, along with looking at what they've been doing inside of Ukraine. They've been struggling with logistics, and that's another logistical piece to keep in mind. The KA-52 has a 30-millimeter cannon mounted and can carry up to 12 anti-take missiles, which can penetrate up to 950-millimeter and 1,000-millimeter of armor in a range of 20 miles. That is nuts. So they can hit target at 20 miles away and penetrate through 1,000 millimeters of, of, of armor. I mean, that's really impressive. And that's what I'm telling you guys. I don't know who's really the winner there. I think it has a lot to do with the pilot and the ability to actually utilize the, the, their machine, I guess you would say, their aircraft. So, But that's that on the, the attack helicopters. Let's go ahead and move on. So tanks, we got 14,682 on the NATO side, and Russia has 12,420. I know those numbers seem really close together, and they didn't really are. So I, I think a lot has to do with the fact that they have a lot of Soviet area, or excuse me, Soviet timeframe uh, tanks, which are pretty much garbage nowadays. And we have proven that over and over again in the last two weeks. Soviet area, javelin. Whoa. Just think about that for a second. The T-14 has had a share of problems. That is the Russian equivalent of our Abrams. The difficulties fielding the latest, greatest tank led Russia to pivot to the T-14 or from the T-14, excuse me, to reinvest in the older T-80s and T-90As. So a lot of people think that they have an equivalent to the Abrams. They don't. They've been having a lot of issues with it. It's not like a lot of the stuff we, we've been very blessed here in America and in NATO in general that... Our technology has been superior for so long, and we've worked a lot of our kinks out, and hell, we were in war for 20 years. Like, we, we got a lot of our bugs out. We, didn't, we weren't just running fueled training operations in Afghanistan or Iraq. We were actually utilizing the equipment and understand how it works and what breaks and what doesn't. So that, that's one big up we have to realize. American tank crews also have a significant advantage, by the way, over Russians. Both the T-14 and the T-80 rely on auto-reloading systems that are slower than American tank crews. I didn't know this. I'm not a tanker, but this is actually very interesting. So Americans have a four-man crew with an actual human loader. I have been inside of a tank, It's very crammed. Very, when I mean very crammed, if you don't have one of the soft shell helmets on, you're going to crack, crack your head on the inside of these things. They have so many sharp edges in there. Uh, most loaders can do the job in five seconds on a bad day, but usually they do a job under four. So in America, the loaders, they have that fourth man is literally loading. He can load and reshoot around within four seconds. That's wow. That's really fast. Russian tanks currently take 10 seconds to load, if not longer. So for every round they get off, we can fire two or three. That's literally coming from the Americans. So that's a huge deal. Think about this. They have an auto-reloader that takes up to 10 seconds in all their tank that's auto-reloading. <laughs> Americans, I know I've seen the inside of it. They shoot, they pull, it shoots out, they shove, they close, they send it. Like That's real. I've seen it. I haven't been inside of the thing when they've been doing it. I've seen all the videos, but I've been at the range doing like training exercises with them and I've seen them actually physically doing it. Tank rounds are nuts. They they actually do skip off the ground quite a bit and they, they fly for miles. And it looks like a giant ball just flying through the air of fire. It's, it's pretty cool. So America right now, when it comes to logistical capabilities, kills it as well. American armor can outpace anybody on the battlefield currently as of right now. I don't think anybody can actually say that. Otherwise, we all know they've had some problems when it comes to the Javelin. We know we've sent a whole bunch of Javelins. You guys know this, it's actually, I can I tell you, Javelin is a fire and forget missile with lock-on feature before launch and automatic self-guidance. The system takes a top-of-attack approach. We all know it comes out of the tube, goes and it goes straight up into the air. If you don't know that, that's what happens. It can also take a direct attack approach because not know this so it can go straight against buildings or targets from the inside It does so it doesn't have to come straight from the top. It's equipped with an image imaging infrared seeker. The tandem warhead is also fitted with two shaped chargers. A lot of people don't realize this. That's why I was telling you guys in these videos that they, these Russians, they keep putting these cages on top. That does absolutely nothing. That's why I kept saying, I don't know why, hey, Russian soldiers, listen to me. Those cages do nothing. They're not going to do you guys any good. There's a two stage Uh, warhead on this thing it literally makes it so the warhead will detonate on the reactive armor on the outside and then the primary will actually penetrate all the way through and then go off so the thing that they're like imagine there's already one warhead that'll punch through explode here to open it up and then go through and then implode or explode excuse me so the thing they're putting on top of these tanks literally does nothing did doesn't do anything because the thing was built to do this. It was actually built to go through reactive armor, which on the outside of these tanks, Bradley's and everything else, you see these squares. You see these squares all over it. That's reactive armor. So when an RPG or something hits it, it actually explodes outwards so the explosion doesn't go into the tank. A lot of people don't realize that. But with a javelin, it's it's, it's literally meant to peel off that outer explosion shell and then penetrate through and then do its job. So there you go. There you go. Now, if you guys don't know, now you know. Armored vehicles, NATO one hundred fifteen thousand nine hundred forty-five to Russia's thirty thousand. Yeah, almost four times. Pretty big deal. We already see what's going on there. Same deal. You have the in-laws. You have the Panzerfaust. You have the the <laughs> javelins. I mean, let's just let it be known. It's 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 not panning out too well there. Self-propelled artillery. I believe this is where the Russians actually take the cake. Now, this actually goes back. So they have, they have actually more than us in NATO, that is. We have 5,040. They have 6,574. Now, the reason why America went after this approach when it comes to not having as many big guns like they used to have back in World War II is the fact they went for more of the air approach. Their mindset here in America, or our mindset in the military, I guess you would say, is the fact that you can't have these big guns if our bombers are superior, which is a fact. Like you can't have these big guns and, and nowadays with so much satellite imagery, they can find where these units are, pinpoint them, and just have an AC one thirty drive flyover or a B two or a B one or anything. They can just drive like that's what I'm saying. So that's what they that's what America went after. But if you take that out of the case, the biggest gun currently in the world and most casually producing is the two seven or excuse me, the two S seven Pinion. Uh, it has a two hundred and three millimeter gun on that's huge shells from this this large tube can can literally go 20 miles away it's a super heavy gun one of the most powerful in the world and will be a mainstay right now as you guys do know that's the thing that's pounding them in ukrainian or ukraine they say they're not hitting civilian areas but they definitely are the gun's range is 23 miles and it can extend out to 30 miles with a rocket extended shells that can fire high explosive concrete busting uh bunker busting essentially and even tactical nuclear rounds one shot can create a 16 foot hole huge so it can actually only fire two rounds per minute the rounds are so big that can only carry four shells at a time it's so slow even though there's a 780 horsepower that's pretty huge diesel engine inside of it it's such a heavy vehicle it can easily get stuck in mud and it's successful susceptible to attacks and which we've seen quite a bit i've actually seen quite a bit of these howitzers actually just laying around which is not the same thing but you guys get what i mean they're getting stuck they're getting hit they're running out of fuel same kind of deal so anyway, towed Artillery, we're sitting at, oh, you know what? I, I, you know, before we go there, I forgot to talk about Americas. I actually have theirs. The Paladin. All right, the Paladin, self-propelled, 155. So you have like, what was it? A 203 to 155. Howitzer's range is 22 kilometers, which is 14 miles, about 10 miles less. 10 miles. That's pretty far. And it has a regular high explosive, and it actually goes up to 19 using rocket-assisted projectiles. The U.S. Army is actually going to be putting out a new version of this in, by 2023. They have an extended-range cannon. Essentially upgraded Paladin with longer barrel rocket assisted projectiles with an autoloader. The goal is actually to hit targets at 43 miles away, 43 miles away. All right. They also have another thing. They're coming out with a guided rocket capability being launched from a MLRS. I mean that's going to be able to hit people or hit people like hit targets. I guess you would say at 311 miles away. They have another one that's coming out a long-range hypersonic weapon. That one's going to be able to hit targets at 1725 miles away. 1725 miles away. That's nuts. Toad artillery, 5495 to 7571. The Russians are bidding us there. NATO. That is rocket projectors. 2,800 to 3,391. Now, rocket projectors, I want you guys to realize, is nothing more than they used these back in World War II. Oh, I believe they use them, uh, I think it was Stalingrad. I can't I can't recall. It doesn't really matter. I, maybe it was not Stalingrad. Anyway, I know the Russians actually used them in World War II, and they just shoot aimlessly. Like, they, they literally just shoot aimlessly. They, they're not guided or anything. They're just basically to shell shock people. And that's pretty much it. So it's not a big deal. Like I said, when you talk about air superiority, that's probably the most, the most crucial thing inside its entire picture. We're going to go to Naval, Naval aircraft carriers, 17 to one. I believe America has 12. So I, I, I mean, that's literally a floating Island and they make it even crazier. America has all the 12 helicopter carriers. You guys see those are all Americans. Well, so NATO has 12, Russia has zero destroyers. NATO has 112 to the 15, 112 to 15 frigates. 132 to 11 Corvettes, 49 to 86. So Corvettes, by the way, I had to look this up. They're fast. They're more maneuverable and they kind of hang around. I guess you would say submarines. That's one way to put it. I'm not big in the Naval side, but that's what I got. Submarines NATO, 144 to 70. All right. Portal, uh, patrol vessels, excuse me, 295 to 59 mine warfare is exactly what it is. NATO has 148 to their 49 total assets being 1983 to 605. Now the big thing here is if China were to get involved, China has a very, very, very large naval force, like very large. And that's when it would get interesting. They, they done, they're pretty big. I, they may actually be number one in the world when it comes to naval size, but here we go once again, strength or strength or numbers does not always mean success. I will say that over and over again, because that's not always, I don't care if you have a million man army, that doesn't mean you're going to win. And it's proving a lot there in Ukraine. Now I thought oil was pretty big deal. So NATO oil production, 18 million barrels every single day, Russia, 10 million. They produce a lot of oil, by the way, I just want to throw this out there. I did not know this, but America actually produces 11 million barrels a day. I had no idea. I didn't know any of this started looking at it. Oil consumption though. Of course, America really crushed that one. Oil consumption, NATO, 35 million, almost 36 million barrels every single day. Russia does 3.6 million. Now, here's the big one. Oil, actual reserves. So, we're talking about proven oil reserves. Now, oil is a huge deal when it comes to wartime stuff. It's one of the reasons why Japan actually attacked us in World War II, if you guys do not know this. It was actually over oil. Now, with that being said, NATO, oil reserves, 216 billion barrels. That's a number that I had to actually look up to even know how to say. And then Russia has 80 billion. So yes, Russia has quite a bit. But Looking at the graph, you're looking at a 3x number almost, 2.5x. That's pretty big. And you look, I mean, that's that's pretty significant. And uh, one of the larger countries in NATO that actually has a lot of oil isn't America. It's actually Canada. Canada has got a significant amount. There's a lot of these smaller countries too, like I didn't even know this, like Estonia and Lithuania and all the, They actually they don't produce any oil, but they have a lot of oil in reserves like a lot. They don't really have any like economy per se compared to the other countries, but they do have a lot of oil. So I could see that being another reason why Russia would like to go after those countries at some point if they actually got the chance. But I hope you guys did enjoy this video over here. I hope you guys uh, stay around. Subscribe. If you guys like it, let me know. Other than that, I love you guys and I am out.